Welcome back to the Reconnected Podcast. Throughout Season 2, Alexis and I have interviewed a diverse range of individuals who have shared their journeys towards excellence. We started with Broadway star and friend Jelani Remy. Next, we spoke with an elite college hockey player, Mia Brown, followed by a discussion Alexis and I had about the topic of perfectionism. Later, we spoke with Rosie Ramos, who has a thriving small business as an esthetician. And later, we spoke with CEO of the brain health company Like Minds, Peter Savas. Alexis and I then paused to talk about the idea of happiness in life and how to expand what it means to be happy, especially in the pursuit towards excellence. And after that, we spoke with Marissa Brainy, whose career included TV newscasting, being a TV personality, and also being a media expert consultant. Next, we spoke with Cape Cod tennis coach Kevin Peace. And last but not least, we spoke with our cousin, Joe Perella, known as Joe P. He's a rising star in the music scene, and he's been signed by Atlantic Records. Okay, sure. Enough of the resumes of all these individuals. They're quite impressive. But as we know, and we've, as we've been talking about, the resume is more about the outcome, the things that happen with a broad range of persistence, effort, energy, resources, collaboration. And the purpose of interviewing all these individuals was because we wanted to go behind the scenes to really look into that, to see what goes into the process, not just focus on the outcomes, though these people are incredibly impressive and we have, we hold them in high esteem for so much of who they are and who they've become. But the process is at the heart of it all. The process is what we focus on every day in our work with individuals. You as a psychologist providing therapy and assessment, as a professor providing supervision and sports psychologist working with athletes, and me as an educational therapist, executive function coach, educator, professor. We knew that these guests had meaningful and insightful aspects of their journey. And so we try to ask curious and thoughtful questions about their experiences, their thoughts, their feelings, their relationships what was meaningful to them in their life, and so much more. By doing so, our goal was to really shine a light on how their individual journeys were unique in their own ways, as they are for every individual, especially those that we work with on a daily basis. So there's really not a one-size-fits-all approach, going back to the UDL concept we explored in season one and something that is woven into everything I do in my work and often my life. And when we think about it not being a one-size-fits-all approach to determining whatever success might mean to you or how you figure out when you've achieved excellence or what it takes to work towards it, there, it's such a subjective experience for each individual. And the purpose of the season especially, and pretty much overall the podcast, is for us to share some of the wisdom that we've gained in our work, in our professional lives and personal lives too, because it all plays a role in each other. It's all connected. But really thinking from you know the perspective of others, that these people that you might see their accolades or their resumes and the things that they've accomplished, but really pulling the onion back, right? Pulling the layers back to see what it took to get to this process. And like I said in the episode with with Marissa, there really are like three main components, I think, that are a big part of getting to where you are and achieving excellence. It's about having, believing in fate, right? Sometimes things just happen the way they're supposed to. We really have no control over that. But knowing that somehow, some way things come together, having faith both in yourself, knowing that others have faith in you, having faith in something outside of yourself. And this idea of agency, which I think is a big part of our work, is helping to people helping people to feel like they have agency and they have some role in what happens in their lives, where they can build skills, they can better understand themselves, they could understand their emotions and how that plays a role in their life, and, and really figure out what goals you want to work toward and what that process is going to be like. We're going to really try to identify themes that cut across the stories shared by the guests. We do think that there are themes along the way. And we're also going to highlight just the insights and wisdom that came from each individual guest. And overall, we want this episode to acknowledge our guests and what they brought to the Reconnected podcast and also to relate it to the work that we do with individuals in our practice every day. So Lex, you know, we're... You're an educator, right? And in my own way, I'm an educator too, um, as a professor. And, you know, education is is huge. You know, they always say knowledge is power. And um, 
you know, one of the themes I, I really felt came up a lot in all of the guests and sharing their story was the importance of learning. Your job basically is to help people to learn. <laughs> I had a client yesterday who said, you literally teach people how they learn best. <laughs> That's literally what you do. That's awesome. And it is awesome. And, you know, knowledge is power, but I think wisdom helps us to transcend that knowledge into more purposeful practice, which I think is really incredible, which is a lot of what our guests were so articulate in sharing on on the season's episodes. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you know what came up in their stories is that everybody had their own version of learning that was uh, meaningful to them. You know, you can think of finding that passion really uh, opens up this desire to learn. You know, not everybody's going to be in a classroom and just absolutely love to learn what they're being taught, whether it's math or history or English, whatever, social studies, whatever topic that may be discussed to them. But you know, it's amazing when people can, you know, that's what you try to help your students to do is to, to engage in the material. That's really, you know, fundamentally what helps people to learn the best is when they're truly engaged in it. That's one of your UDL principles that you you hold true to. And the research backs that up too. So, you know, one of the, the biggest themes that I really found really uh, amazing, and, you know, this applies to us too in our own journeys is, just you know, when you're motivated by something, you really truly care about it. You're going to do everything you want, everything you can to learn about that because it's going to be uh, inspiring to you. And um, it might be different from what other people may expect of you. Like maybe you know you're you're not um, top of the class academically, but you know, like Joe P said, he picked up his guitar. He was an expert learner in the guitar. He wasn't necessarily that in the classroom. And I think, you know, he, he did say he has some regrets about like not, you know, fully engaging in his academics like he could have, but he was finding more meaning in, in the guitar and learning about that. And that's just a different type of learning. It's not like it's uh, better or worse than other type of learning that could have in the classroom. Yeah, I think, you know, like you're saying, leaning into the process of learning was such a big theme across all the episodes we recorded for season two. And, you know, it's also a theme in the work that we do every day, whether it's your clients learning about who they are, my clients learning how to learn well and navigate life with using skills in different ways in the classroom or outside of it. And I think that, you know, one of the big parts of this is so many of our guests mentioned that they got in touch with what they were really good at. They recognized their strengths and skills and passions but they needed to do more with it than just show up with it. And I think this is a big piece that gets missed. And we've, you know, this has been a common theme also talking about what we see in the media at this day and age that we often see the outcome more than the process. And, you know, just having a natural skill set often isn't enough. And we need to deepen that understanding. Again, going from just learning or using a skills to transcend it more into like, you know, the, the semantically, it's it's that thing I said before about wisdom, but the wisdom becomes the practice. It becomes the integration of whatever you are focusing on to be able to do, whether it is an instrument or, you know, a sport or in acting or in business or in life in general. You know, our natural abilities and skills can only take us so far. So we really need to lean into learning and understand what that process is to, to better integrate into whatever we choose to do. Because even us in our work, I have a quote on my desk still to this day. And I said it in season one, it says, you know, I'm still learning. We're all still learning. And one of the greatest Buddhist philosophies that I believe in is that the, there's a sense of ignorance that we we don't know what we don't know a lot of times. And we're always still learning. There's this beautiful curiosity in life. And I think it's what makes us human to be able to explore and understand what's possible. And talking to people and having the opportunity like we do every day and here on the podcast to talk to people and hear their stories, I think is a, a great process for us in learning too. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, every moment is a different moment, right? Mm. And who you are now is going to be different in some ways than who you are a year from now, two years from now, a decade from now. We're always evolving and growing and we have new experiences that, you know, in some ways shapes us to be a, a little bit different as we go. So mm. to be open to learning about ourselves and what we're doing is is great. And to be humble about that, right? That's that's mm. humility. And I did hear a lot of that humility 
um, that there is always something more to learn and to seek that out. Um, and like I said, when you're inspired, it's like you, you want to seek that out. Jelani talked about he's a, he's a Broadway star, like you know the dude, the dude's doing amazing things. And <laughs> by the way, just a little plug for Jelani right now. In June 2023, he just stepped onto the set and stage of Back to the Future in his new role there, which is really exciting. Yeah, and it seems like he just loves you know stepping into these roles. But you know, he talked about always looking to people above him. From the beginning and even now, mm. you know, he doesn't have to do that, but he's always looking for people who have come before him who have more of an expertise in some area or have some wisdom to gain. And he sought that out and he always felt like that was part of his growth. Like, you know, find someone else who knows more than him or who he can kind of see or model from to, to get better. And he did that since high school and he was a late bloomer too. He was mm-hmm. not acting early on in his life. He was a, he was a very late bloomer. But he didn't let that hold them back. And Marissa, you know, talked about this too. In some ways, she's a late bloomer because college was there. You know, your your college was not focused on. Um, it wasn't known for like media relations. It was like she, you guys had a. Yeah, I don't your think own. we had a broadcast program there at all. There yeah. was a communications program which I started in, and you know, it, it didn't exist. We had to create it. You created. You created your own TV station. You know, Marissa was. You guys were green with this. You, uh, you both were green to this, and. You, uh, you know, Marissa. I think what I, I found a theme for her too is she leaned into just learning and being excited about it yeah. and taking opportunities to get better. And that excitement, you know, I'm going to say this is when you're trying something new, it's scary. Oh, totally. And I think you know, in sports psychology world, we we try to sometimes reframe things being scary to things being exciting or being you know changing the the interpretation of what you're feeling uh, can help sometimes. And I, I felt that from Jelani, from Marissa, and from others. When you're really inspired to learn and to grow, that can make those nerves and those butterflies not get in the way of your process because it's hard to, to, to jump into something new. Yeah, and as I frequently say, and listeners of the podcast know that you know, oftentimes these frightening, uncertain times can bring about the greatest changes, even though it's really challenging to get into it. And in a lot of the work that I do, thinking about executive function skills, right? To be able to inhibit, to pause and kind of check yourself and say, Okay, what's happening for me in my environment, around me, with what I have available to me, but also inside, right, from an emotional aspect and perspective? You know, what's coming up for me that I need to pay attention to? Because it might be a signal in some way to tell me something needs to shift or change or adapt. And then the working memory skills, you know, when you're learning new things, you're taking in so much information and you need to do something with it right away. You know, think about everybody that we interviewed, Jelani on the spot, you know, sometimes he has to learn a line or a song in a few minutes and then practice it and audition it. You know, thinking about Marissa being out in the field, Mia, when she steps foot on the ice, you have to adapt to the new changes that are happening on on a team, within the team, with the other team that you're performing against. Every single person here, you know, that we talked about and talked with in season two, it's it's about being open to what's happening and taking in information. And, and sometimes, especially from learning new information and learning how to adapt and change, it's a process. It doesn't always just come online right away, especially, as you say, if there is some anxiety or stress around it, because that's going to also weaken the, the critical executive function skills that allow for us to do deep, hard, complex tasks. Not to mention, you know, cognitive flexibility, which often comes online a little bit later in life because we need to have a lot of experiences and know that there's different paths we can take to even know to make a shift or change. You know, we can end up in a rigid place because all we know is what we've tried. And if it doesn't work, it might seem hopeless. Like, oh, well, I guess I'm not good at that. I tried it. I thought I was good. Didn't go the way I planned. So therefore, I need to give up or change my path versus how can I adapt, shift, or pivot a little to see if we can make some improvements and find more purpose in that which we're doing? Totally. And and that's it's a plug for therapy, but that's therapy is a lot about just learning about yourself. Mm. You know, I just had a session with someone who, you know, was saying, like, I, I, I never really knew why I was doing this or why I had this pattern. We got to such a good deep insight in the in the session that just like, oh, it totally makes sense in a way that I didn't really totally understand in a, a deeper way. And um, to your point about adapting, that takes self awareness, mm-hmm. and, and it's not just learning your craft. Like it, I think, uh, you know, one of the 
the major themes of this podcast too is like learn, learning is not just about something, a skill. It's also about learning about yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what you do in your work, helping learners to understand how they learn best. It's in my work and helping people reflect on themselves. And, and I'm going to add a piece to this that it's also the people around you. That was another theme from our interviewees. You know, they had people to support them mm. that either really believed in them, gave them autonomy to take risks and to try new things and to feel safe to do that. Um, and, you know, because to have that, you know, if you're in the classroom, think back to when you're a kid, you have a, a teacher that you trust and know, care, and know that you know they care about you and they're going to create an atmosphere conducive to learning. And this is also what therapy Ideally, ideally, yeah. Ideally, right. And this is also what therapy is. Let me create a context in which you can be vulnerable and just open up to the, the an honest truth of like yourself and, and how things happen. By doing so, you can learn, you know, can, you can learn a lot of things in that type of context. So, and I'm going to bring it back um, to learning for a minute before we go on to that next theme of connection and community. And I, I really want to double back into this because you, me, and our friend and colleague uh, Luis Perez, we we just did a conference presentation about um, trauma informed teaching and learning. And I want to bring this up because for our listeners who might have had a negative experience with learning in the past or those who maybe have tried something and failed or felt like it was a failure to them in that moment, that it's it's often not an all or nothing experience with learning, right? Oftentimes there's gradations and levels and steps and parts of that is really the process of learning. You learn what works and what doesn't. And, you know, thinking about experiences that could have been really detrimental, brought about a lot of stress and distress in a moment, especially if you're in a learning environment that is not set up or conducive to learning for what works best for you. That doesn't mean that they don't exist. Doesn't mean that we can't also create or co-create these spaces, these opportunities, these contexts for ourselves or advocate for what we need in these different learning environments. And I say learning environments broadly. It could be you know, from preschool all the way up to high school, in your, you know, college, undergraduate. Your workplace. Situations and workplace. Exactly. That was my point that I was getting to. Even in our household, right? Sometimes different contexts and situations change that we need to change the way we do chores, right? Maybe we need to redistribute the efforts in different ways or come up with a different system or come up with a different plan or way that we balance out efforts for the people who contribute. You know, there's all different things that are constantly shifting and changing. And again, going back to this advocacy agency piece, like we can play a role in what happens. And oftentimes when it feels difficult, when it feels challenging, when it feels scary, it's really easy to shut down and be like, nope, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. And all of the people we brought on this season to interview, every single one of them, had at least one situation that they shared with us where they could have said, no, this is too hard. Mm -hmm. This is too scary. I don't want to put myself out there, be vulnerable, try to jump without a net and maybe fall flat on my face. And oftentimes, most of them have shared or they've shared with us personally (laughs) off air that there, there were times where you know, it was really difficult Mm -hmm. and they, they did get stuck for a little while and they had to adapt and shift and change to get back on a path or create a new path to lead them towards their, where they were heading and what they were able to share with us and what that process looked like. Yeah. And if you get, if you get too fixated on the outcome or the future or some ideal, this is the perfectionism episode, then you can lose touch with trusting in the process of what's happening and it could feel like a, a, a catastrophe. You know, that's kind of the CBT term, catastrophizing. Yeah. And that's uh, that can create anxiety. And anxiety is an emotion that can make people narrow-minded. It's just the way that anxiety does because anxiety, you see a threat. Like, you know, back in the day, you see like a lion. You want your <laughs> focus to only focus on the lion and narrow your focus on one thing. And, we, you know, different threats happen in different ways to different people depending on what they perceive a threat is. So you can get really fixated in that way. And, um, you know, and go ahead. I was going to say, and, you know, a lion in these days and age might be a really difficult test or a job interview Mm -hmm. or, 
you know, somebody that you had an argument with who you now need to confront and talk to in a reasonable way. Like, or it could be, you know, just somebody makes a comment on your social media post that feels uncomfortable. Those can all feel like threats. It can be a lot of different things. It's not, you know, we don't live, most of us, in a, a, in a bucolic and wilderness way where we're facing really big, scary animals every day, that that's the only threat we need to protect ourselves from. There's yeah. so many threats that can trigger a, a response that can be stressful or sometimes traumatic. And so let, and, and part of the process is, you know, learning from the experience and trying to figure out how to be flexible to, to adjust and to make adjustments. So let's take Jelani's example. He talked about when he was on uh, auditions and mm-hmm. he's like, could you believe, you know, you have like, like 15, uh, I don't know how long it was, like very short period of time <laughs> to just sing something or to perform yeah. or to act. And they're, they're judging you. They want to know if they want to hire you or not for the role and to cast you. And so, you know, he said uh, very bluntly that he had to learn. It's not personal as much as it feels it is in so many words. He said, you know, they may not be looking for you now, but they may be looking for you in the future. Mm. And it may be something you don't even know that they're looking for. And and the key, this is his reframe that really was uh, great. And, you know, a lot of therapy sometimes is reframing, reinterpreting um, to, to, be, uh, to be resilient. And as he said, you know, the most important thing is they don't want me to be something I'm not. They mm. want to see the full me, and and my job is to 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 be the full Jelani that I can be when I'm showing up. And whatever happens, happens. You know, I'll find the right role for myself as time goes on. Yeah, and and you know, Kevin talked about this when he was a, a youth baseball pitcher and got cut from the team at 11, 12 years old, and had to figure out what else to do with his spring, and he didn't even know that he was going to become a tennis player until he had that opportunity because the thing he expected didn't work out the way he wanted to do. And one of my uh, favorite new things to say to clients now in my sessions is comes from Ted Lasso, actually, in early season where he he says, you know, be a goldfish, right? <laughs> you know, be a goldfish and, and, and forget the things that don't always work out the way you want them to. Because we overly, like you're saying, we overly fixate and remember the things that don't work and in fact, that's not often, for some people it is motivating, but for many people it's not. And it gets us so stuck in the hardness and the difficulties and the challenges instead of being like, oh, well, I'm still floating. I'm still swimming. What am I going to do now? Right? Be that goldfish and have that like, you know, quick opportunity to forget the stuff that doesn't go well because if we keep harping on it, it it's going to get in our way every time. Yeah, you know, I remember talking to someone in therapy and uh, someone was very hard on himself and would really kind of braid himself and say such negative things that when things were not going well, when he made a mistake or did mm-hmm. something he regretted. And, you know, what came out of me in this in this moment was, you know, wait, like reflection has a purpose. There's a function to reflecting on the past. It's to learn from it. Mm-hmm. So I said, did you learn from it? And he said, yeah, I definitely have learned from it. You know, I'm going to try to, you know, use what I've learned in the future. Okay, your reflection has done its job. Sure, you're going to need reminders along the way. We mm. all need reminders. In some ways, this is what the podcast is about. It's mm-hmm. Like sometimes we just need reminders about things. You know, we're not. We may not be saying things that other people haven't said before, but this is you know a way to kind of create a create a context to have reminders for what we all need. And I said to him, "Okay, your reflection has done its job. You don't want to overdo something. If you're going to keep reflecting on this and berating yourself, mm. it's lost its purpose." Great point. Now it's time to move on. Yeah. Goldfish mindset. <laughs> um, you know, and I could talk about learning as you know forever. I'm gonna share one more story. It's a personal story about my path in learning. And then we'll we'll pivot to the next theme that came up. But mm-hmm. you know, I think this is an important point to make and and I share this often with clients that I work with that you know, oftentimes they'll look at me and be like, oh, you're so intelligent and smart and this and that. I can't believe all that you're doing. And I have to remind them about my journey too, right? Because when I was growing up, there were a lot of things that came naturally, but I didn't always put my fullest effort into everything I do did either. Mm-hmm. You know, I said in one of the last episodes that you know, I really didn't feel inspired to read for reading's sake until I was much older. I would read a lot, but I, I didn't, you know, choose that path 
for myself until I was a little bit older. And when I did, you know, people who know me know I have this huge library now of books that I, I love to dive into and enjoy. I didn't start reading really into, like really passionately reading until college when I was coaching. Yeah. It was because of coaching that I was like, wow, I like really am interested in this. Let me read as much as I can about it. Right. And sometimes when you, f- you choose something you want to learn more about, that's when you dive deeper into it versus somebody else telling you to do it. And we totally get that. And a lot of the younger people we work with are like, well, I don't want to do this because I was told to do it. But there's skills that get developed in doing things that maybe you don't love to do, but you have to do, right? There's there's a balance there that needs to be achieved. And Adults and, are in our lives for a reason. Well, they, have pers- they have perspective to remind us true. of what we need to do sometimes. Yeah. Absolutely true. Because our prefrontal cortexes are not fully developed until much later in life. But, you know, Joe really did a nice job reflecting on that experience too. And, and he even said, you know, if I could go back to school and do it differently, I probably would. Um, but, you know, for me, I took a little different path. There were so many things that happened to me when I was in high school, when I was a teenager. You know, we lost a lot of people that were very close to us. There was a lot of mourning and change that happened at a very critical point in my life that I know definitely impacted my academic portion of my life. And and I see it every day in the kids I work with, right? That are young people that are going through a lot of stuff. And often that's why they need me at that point in their life to help support them, to bring them up and teach them about, you know, when my emotions get high, when stuff is going on, I can't control. How do I, how do I zero in on these skills that are going to help carry me forward? And, you know, I want to just point this out because a lot of my clients, they, they see the schools I graduated from, right? The the end results, but they might not know that my first year out of high school, and by the way, when I was in high school, when when the academic stuff maybe wasn't the best that it could be, and I'm going to say that because my mom and dad will hold me to that, <laughs> um, that I didn't always do my best during those tough times, that other stuff was going on that I couldn't control. But I really leaned into the stuff I was good at at that time, right? I was a big part of student government, a lot of volunteer organizations, a lot of helping helping the community. You know, I was fortunate to to write for the newspaper and the the sports section to to really explore the passions and the things I loved a lot. So, like Joe was saying, you know, even if you're not learning what you're being told to learn in the way people are telling you to learn it, there's still opportunities to learn and develop your skills. And I think that's what I did. And I, I want to share that for people who might be going through things that they don't have control over, you know, especially young people, because they don't have the experiences over the course of life, like we talked about with Marissa, that we don't, they might not have as many data points that there's going to be ups and downs. So when the things feel difficult and challenging, that there's other ways to channel your energies to be able to get you through while still building skills that translate into the academic areas, if that's what you choose. But with that, you know, my first year out of high school, I ended up going to, um, it was a state university in New Jersey, it was close by to where we lived. And I lived home for a year until I figured out really what I wanted to do. And I would say it's probably the best thing I ever did. So I'm a huge advocate of students taking a gap year or maybe going to community college or a more local university to figure out really who they are and what they want to do. You know, I I was so fortunate I had the opportunity um, to literally study everything. I think I took intro to law classes, accounting classes. I dove deeply into broadcast journalism because that was my passion then. And I got to explore and visit a lot of my friends who were at different schools too. And then I got to study abroad that summer afterwards. And it was on a, you know, (laughs) much cheaper (laughs) um, opportunity than it would have been if I pursued that through where I ended up at Loyola College in in Maryland, Loyola University. But I just want to share that because sometimes the path isn't laid out exactly the way Mm-hmm. others might be experiencing it or what you ex- what you think you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be a, a different path, a different option that might fit you better. And it really is not about thinking one size fits all. This is the way the trajectory of people's lives in general go, mm-hmm. whether you're in the US or you're in a country in Europe or Africa, Australia or Asia, wherever you are. It's not about just thinking, I have to do what everybody else is doing. It's really about doing that deep work and reflection and who am I as a learner? Is this the right time for me to be pursuing this? Is this a passion and purpose that I feel committed to and engaged to? 
And how do I figure, how do I map that out? And sometimes you need the support of somebody like you and I, or a close mentor or coach or friend or an another adult that's a positive influence in your life or a family member. But, you know, there's really no shame in that is my point in saying all this. Yeah, it's not linear. It's not linear. And, uh, and all those experiences, you know, eventually lead you to be who you are as you get older. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they don't have to be considered something bad. Like we're always making judgments, what's good, what's bad. And mm. sometimes things just are what they are. You know, it's part of your journey. So, uh, you know, embrace, the, you know, make meaning out of it the way you want to. Um, you know, um, after high school, you know, I started, I, I went to the same university, talked about local uh, state university and and started coaching. I had a great opportunity. Um, and I was very blessed to have that um, coaching in the inner city. And like I had these experiences that I think I just needed to have at that time in my mm. life. Um, thankful to my family for the opportunity and also like mom to like, she always like encouraged boldness in us. <laughs> you know, like yeah. who was I? Like I showed up with the team and we would go to different schools and I looked so young. Like I was always <laughs> short, like looked young when I was uh, younger. And yeah. I remember another coach, like I introduced myself to the other coach at one of the schools. I'm like, how you doing coach? You know, nice to see you. And, you know, excited for the game today. And, and the other coach, he was so much older than me. He looks at me and he goes, how you doing? Where's your coach? I'm like, that's me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but I think I needed experiences like this to yeah. grow and to develop. And it was, I had to be vulnerable. I had to really uh, believe in myself. And I think, you know, I think uh, we call her Mama Dukes. She really in, inspired us to believe and to be courageous and to be bold. And, yeah. and that, um, I mentioned this when we talked to Kevin about coaching, but stuff I was doing then informs what I do now as a psychologist. Like totally. I was experiencing stuff was coming out of me about leadership, about getting to know people, building really good relationships. Um, I remember at the end of the season, like writing up a whole like, you know, feedback to the players individually about like, hey, here's what I learned about you. Here's things you can Mm. work on. And like, I'm doing stuff now. I'm doing the same thing now when I do assessments with people. I'm trying Mm. to learn about them and give them feedback in a positive and encouraging way. Um, You know, Joe P said this too sometimes in our interview with Joe P. He said like, you know, stuff I was doing back then when I was younger, I'm still doing now. Yeah. So, you know, all this is to say, you know, when you're parenting, it's hard to really understand what a child needs when you're parenting. We talked about that too. So if you can see glimpses of who your child is, um, you know, it's it's good to to understand what, what might that mean about them and their personality, about what they might do as they get older. And embrace that rather than feeling like, you know, they have to go do this because, you know, that's an expectation of society or some other cultural norm or something that like, hey, you know, try to understand who they are. Yeah, I'm going to add a caveat there that just because somebody picks up a guitar or a violin or a piano and says, oh, this is cool, doesn't mean they need to be committed to like two years of lessons intensely. (laughs) But I think like you're saying that it's about having that conversation. Right. And showing up for them. If, if you have a student who says, you know, I think I really love music, bring them to a concert, introduce them to somebody that's been doing this for a long time, play them Joe P's episode, right. And, and hear about what it takes to commit to becoming, you know, the best at what you do or or that level to work at a higher level, because it does take a lot of commitment and sacrifice. And it's not always an easy path because there's going to be ups and downs. I was just talking to one of our, 20-something-year-old cousins the other day about, um, you know, she's a year out of college and working a couple different jobs trying to find her path. And she said, Lexi, you know, I, I'm not really saving any money right now. This is really difficult. And I had a reminder. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I know that feeling. I'm like, we used to joke when we were in grad school, you know, I skipped a whole bunch of years. We'll come back to it, I'm sure. But when we were in grad school, we had to share a really small space together our first year to live in Boston because it was very expensive. And we joked it was like camp grad school because it's almost like we were on bunk beds trying to just make it work. And sometimes you got to get scrappy and you got to figure out what it's going to take to make it work. But, you know, to your point, Jared, you might have been doing a lot of the same things back then as you're doing now. And like I said, that's like the natural talent and gift in who you are. But by no means does that mean you're at the same skill level then than you're as you are now, because you put so much effort and so much training 
into building and honing those skills, right? And a huge dedication, lots of sacrifice on every aspect of your life, probably, to be able to improve that which came naturally to you, that it had to be something that was developed over time to get to a point that now, you know, you and I feel comfortable having these conversations on the podcast to share with others in this way. Yeah. I mean, I remember Mia saying this. We we, we echoed this a few times. So Mia, like, who are the athletes that really go far? You know, are they the ones that are kind of just going through the motions or feel like they're forced to be there? Or are they the ones that really are excited about the sport and they just love it and they're going to go out and play it because they love it? Mm. You know, they would be out there like she was doing drills, playing the sport, doing the sport without even if they weren't told to because they, 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 they're so immersed in it and engaged in it. Joe P said the same thing. He's like, even now he's, you know, he's got a big following and he's like, I would be doing this if there was no following. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's like, if I was the only person left on earth, I would be doing the same thing. So, you know, to your point, um, and I felt this way, like, you know, I didn't, when I jumped into this career, um, I was just so excited to learn and to, to grow. And like, I was doing it because I wanted to do it. I didn't feel forced to do it. I felt like it was a passion and I felt like it, like you said, it, it clicked with my strengths. Yeah. And to know that like there's there's at least something there that's a good foundation. I think number one, it's the support people in your life. Um, you know, um, having the support people, but also knowing that your strengths, you know, Peter Savas said this, you know, this uh, he, he's very successful in, in, in running companies and, and he's trying to do a lot of good right now and trying to uh, address Parkinson's disease in his company. And it's a very meaningful thing to him and it really drives him. Um, but he was saying, you know, back when he was younger that like he had to get feedback about things he may not have been naturally good at and he was told to shift in a different direction and that really helped him. It doesn't mean that, you, that someone tells you exactly you have to do this. Like, you know, sometimes I've gotten advice sometimes that didn't fit exactly what I needed for myself and that's okay. Or like Jelani's mom said, just not feeling it. Just not feeling it. Uh-uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, that's it though. You know, you need honest feedback, but yeah. it's but it's compassionate, inspiring feedback, and it's not just you know um, shooting your dreams down. It's like let's try to navigate this together. So, and when you have that, and you really care, like you know, you're all in. But it's it's a, it's an engaging thing. It doesn't mean it's easy. Like it's definitely not easy. Right. But um, but but that element, and and remember, I asked me. I said the, she said, "Yep, those are the ones who really, really you know get much further. Otherwise, you can really get burnt out." Yeah, and. You know, I hear people using the term ego in a kind of negative way, but ego is really just like your identity, yourself that you put forth. And I think that sometimes we get really like stuck on an ego, which could make it a negative connotation in how we show up in a way. Mm -hmm. But I think that there needs to be like a little stripped down version of ego to tap into humility, to be open and vulnerable to taking feedback and making changes and adapting and adjusting to whatever the context might be. I, I was talking to a parent earlier who, you know, is is going through a tough time trying to ad- adapt to a child um, who was adopted. And, you know, they're working so hard and, and doing so much through so much love that she's sharing for her daughter. And I said, you know, parenting is so difficult because even when you figure out the formula that works well in a moment, the next day or the next week, you might need to come up with something different just because the context changes. Something might come up from the past that you don't even recognize or know or can anticipate. And and all of this is just is constantly shifting and changing as it is in life in general. And I think we need to be open to the process of, you know, taking in information, reaching out for support, tapping into resources that are available and and really honestly recognizing that we're all human just doing the best that we can. But to to your point of the second theme that really was a resounding theme across everybody we talked to this season was thinking about this idea of community and connection and support. And we touched upon this a little bit already, so we won't go too far into it. But, you know, we mentioned mom, you know, dad, our cousins, aunts, uncles, friends and family across the board, you know, we might not see or talk to them all the time, but we feel the love and the support. And and we know that they're out there cheering in some way, in their own way. And it might not look the same every single time, might not feel the same. 
And it might be very distant, but it's there. And the fact that we can trust in the fact that there are people that believe in us and in you and I both, especially here in Boston, I feel so grateful that we've developed a community here since we started grad school here in Boston. We're not from Boston originally. We're from New Jersey, as you've heard over the episodes. But, you know, I, I feel so lucky to have found a community of colleagues, mentors, and friends who have just embraced me and the work that I do in such a beautiful way. And I'm so grateful for that. And and that's what inspires me and keeps me going, especially in the work that we do, that we're able to enter people's lives, usually when it's a really tough time for them and to be able to support them in the way that fulfills an aspect of their life and empowers them to do something different and, and be better. And to that point, you know, when I was in college, I, I shifted from communications to education, as most of you probably can imagine, as I'm an educator by trade. And I will never forget sitting in a class one day. And one of my very good friends to this day, Julia, looked at me and said, Lex, you're going to be a great teacher, but that's not all you're going to do. There's something else that you're going to do in your life, something that has to do with like psychology or mental health and also education at the same time. And I looked at her like, I don't know what that's going to be, but I feel that too. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll never forget going home from that class that day. And I wrote out like a five-year plan (laughs) of what I thought I wanted to do and what I wanted it to look like. Mm -hmm. And to be quite honest, I had never seen anything like it before. Like I didn't know of a person who did the work that I currently do now back then. And somehow I just drew up all the characteristics of it. It's almost like, you know, what we do in, in our in our work in a therapeutic capacity of like journaling, putting it out there, getting clear about what you're looking to be and looking to do and, and mapping that out. So, you know, for anybody out there listening, trying to think of how they want to show up next, take that opportunity to press pause and just write down, you know, what do you want it to look like? And, and if you even approximate that, It's amazing because I pinch myself all the time because I feel so grateful and blessed to be able to do the work that I do every day and to be able to do so many different facets and aspects of the work I do in the educational realm and to be able to blend it with the work you do in the mental health realm and to help people on all these different levels. It's absolutely miraculous and it's nothing I could have ever dreamed of. Again, I was wanted to be a sportscaster when I was in high school. <laughs> Who would have known? <laughs> yeah, we need, um, you never know how things are going to progress, like you said. Like you, you just kind of feel like this makes sense right now and you get some in- inspiration, like your friend gave you some inspiration because she, she, she saw something inside of you. Jelani said that too, like his choir teacher is like, no, no, you got to get into theater. Mm. And he said very specifically, like she pushed him in that direction and he was uncertain about it, but she saw something in him that led him there. You know, when I was in grad school, um, there's this, we had the, kind of a joint program between the School of Education and School of Medicine and one of the professors at the School of Medicine, there's actually two of them, um, at the time, I was so interested in the brain. Like, there was brain science was just like blowing up. It was like 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, all the 2000s, like, this brain science was like all over the place. I'm like, what? This stuff is so cool, interesting. Mm-hmm. And I actually applied to go into the field of just becoming um, neuroscientist. Yeah, neuroscientist. And, um, and I actually got accepted in the program. Mm-hmm. And I never forget this. Two of the professors, um, they essentially, in so many words, said, you know, you're such a people person. You're, you're, a, you're a therapist therapist. Um, like they saw something in me that when, when you're growing and you're going through training and stuff, you just, you have no context. You have no, you don't have like people who you've talked to before in the field. Like you have no idea what to expect. Everything's brand new. And for them to have that perspective and to share that with me, I changed my course. Mm. I mean, it came with a lot of reflection and talking with people close to me as well. But that definitely helped, you know, someone who's been through the field, who knows the feels like, no, like you have something natural. Like this is, you know, they didn't tell me I had to choose it, but I definitely ended up choosing this direction rather than becoming a neuroscientist, uh, kind of a brain scientist, because, um, you know, like you said, like someone can see something inside of you that, you know, you don't realize it yourself because sometimes we got to rely on other people's perspective. Yeah. And I think naturally curious people, which, you know, you and I definitely are, but so are so many of the people we work with. 
I think that actually causes a lot of confusion for them that makes things feel uncomfortable because they like so many different things and they're yeah. not sure what to do with it. But, you know, you didn't formally properly get trained to be a neuroscientist, but, you know, you and I both have incorporated so much neuroscience in our own way of learning. Mm-hmm. You through doing your postdoctoral work at MGH to do neuropsychological evaluations and me by really diving deeply into the neuroscience side of, of education and learning. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it wasn't something we, I at least, formally trained in, but it's something that I've really developed an expertise in because it's something I cared about. And that's the other part of this too, going back to learning. Oh, I knew I was going to do it. Going back to learning again as a theme that you know, you don't have to just do a formal program to learn a lot about something that you know is going to benefit you or the work you do in the future. And that's another theme too, you know, even thinking about Peter talking about, I really loved, I thought I was going to become a scientist, but I was really good at the business side of it. And I was able to blend those pieces together, you know, and it's a really beautiful thing. And 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 um and Rosie, right? Yeah. So Rosie, she, what a great story, right? Mm-hmm. And, and she was talking about her journey of, um, you know, uh, that led her to get back to her roots of what she really loved. You know, she yeah. kind of went into the business world of things, and kind of the the corporate route of doing different things. But she's like, you know what? I really love um, the face to face with people. And she opened up her own business, and she had a few goes at it, uh, and did great with it each time. But in her later stages. She's like, you know, it's all going to be back to the basics of what really brings me joy and fulfillment. And she got back to that. And that was very meaningful to her um, because she was being true to herself. You know, so much of life is like, you know, what's most true to me? And it takes time to figure that out. And we got to go through experiences to to make sense of it. But, you know, these stories are powerful. Yeah, for sure. And and more to come. And, you know, we touched upon this a little bit, but I just want to dive deeply because I, I know that so many people we talked to in season two brought up this adaptability and flexibility piece of things. And like I said, from a neurodevelopmental perspective of it all, this is something that does take time to come online. And you can think about it this way that, you know, young kids might not be able to recognize all the different breeds in dogs, right? But they might not, they might know that when they see a dog, it's a dog, but they might not know all the different names and characteristics of them. It's the same thing as we get older in life, that sometimes we don't have as many experiences to know all the possibilities of what might happen, that it makes it more difficult to be cognitively flexible, to see more than just the path that's right in front of you. So to be adaptable, to be able to be flexible, to pivot and shift psychologically, cognitively, it takes a lot of effort sometimes as those cognitive skills are coming online. And again, as I constantly am saying, all of this is so vulnerable and influenced by our emotion that if we get dysregulated or overly emotional in one direction or another, it can also hinder our ability to flex and change. I mean, even thinking about like, if you have a plan of you're really excited about doing something and then all of a sudden it doesn't work out the way you want to, it might be really difficult for you to shift your your plan or your approach. Yeah, you know, life is life is so interesting because, you know, we all, we all want control and, you know, control reduces anxiety. But sometimes we have to learn how to um, let go of needing control in certain, certain ways yeah. and also learn how we can gain control in other ways. And that's like a dynamic thing. That's what a lot of therapy is about. It's like, how do you find things that are you can control or you know make sense to control and like pull back mm. on the things that you can or maybe not need to? And and that's all about the process. And it takes time to certainly to understand that. Yeah, and and it was really cool to hear people's stories in reflecting on you know maybe I was a little more rigid when I was younger. But I'm glad I gave myself the space, the time, the opportunity to sit with it mm-hmm. or to make a change because it actually ultimately brought me to where I am today that feels more fulfilling than it would have been before. Yeah. And it's good to have those foundations that keep us steady. You know, you talked about um, the boat metaphor from Scott Barry Kaufman. And like, you know, we talked about this in the happiness episode is having that foundation, whatever it is, it could be Mm. one person that you can kind of lean on emotionally. It could be family. You know, Rosie talked a lot about family and how meaningful family was to her 
is to her. And, um, you know, to have that to keep you steady when the waves are crashing and when the storms come. And it could be anything. It could be that you just kind of stick to your routines. It could be that, you know, you have meaning in your life or you have sort of, you know, some rituals that kind of keep you grounded. Um, because life is going to, you know, it's scary when things are confusing or uncertain. And, you know, we all need something to hold on to. And the hope is that it's a healthy thing, right? You know, we talked about this in the past, you know, people can develop unhealthy coping mechanisms to deal with things like this. And the hope is that you learn that, oh, those are just coping mechanisms. Those don't, don't, these, these things don't define who I am, whether it's substance use or different kind of maladaptive habits that people can fall into that, that those are, you know, if you can understand them as coping mechanisms, you don't have to identify with them as much and you can replace them with something healthier. And so, you know, the main point here is, you know, finding healthy versions of your foundation is 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 uh, is a great part of growing and getting through life. And it takes time to figure out what that will be for you. You know, I was reflecting on this recently. I don't know if I even said this out loud, but I was reflecting on how a lot of people think, you know, looks or monetary successes or fame or achievement is really what's like the most sexy and attractive in a person. I actually think having those routines that ground you <laughs> is like the most attractive thing that anybody can have or do. Is like, you know who you are, you know what you need, you know what's helpful. And you do it not because somebody tells you to, but because it makes you feel good. Totally, Lex. And anybody I work with who has social anxiety, I asked them this one question. Do you admire the person who's extremely popular and people just fawn over them because they're like a celebrity or because they're so cool? Or do you admire someone who is comfortable in their own skin? Mm. And more times than not, they'll say, I admire the person who's comfortable in their own skin. That takes time to develop in all yeah. of ourselves. We're all striving for that. That takes time. But what a great ideal to strive for. doesn't mean you always have to be that way, but I think you know, when you can get to that, you feel more grounded for sure. And that takes time to, to understand. It also helps you understand who truly appreciates you as a person, right? Mm. If people like you because of some sort of act that you're putting on or that you're trying to impress them, how do you know that you have a real relationship or they're just like you for some version of yourself that you're presenting to them? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that that's grounding to know that you really have relationships. That's what the happiness episode was about in a lot of ways is, you know, cultivating, you know, genuine relationships is a big part of happiness. And and reminding yourself that there is no such thing as perfect, right? There, the trajectory in life, and if we're thinking about some outcome as being excellent for whatever we're aiming to excel at, you know, it, it's always going to be an up and down. It's more like rolling hills <laughs> versus like steep peaks that we go up and down. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that actually helps us from, you know, a, a more of a hormonal aspect too, if we were to get into the biology of it, mm -hmm. that it helps to keep our cortisol's level levels a little bit more steady and it helps us to feel good. Not necessarily just be happy, but <laughs> feel content, feel good, feel like we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, which I think is where we can find excellence in life. Totally. So all this to say, Lex, we had a great season two. I mean, like we, the, the, the individuals we brought on, they're just uh, wonderful people, first and foremost. As, as Mia said, the, uh, the elite hockey player, um, she said at the very end, remember all the athletes out there, human, you're also human and you're not just an athlete. And, mm. you know, we always talk about that because, um, you know, that's what life is. You know, we're, we see people for who they are, not just the, the, some outward uh, outcome that we're talking about. So it's been such a great uh, season two. And again, I thank you, Alexis, because you convinced me to do this. I did not want to do this in the beginning. <laughs> I was like, what, we're going to do a podcast? <laughs> Oh my God, no. <laughs> and as you do, you pull me out of my comfort zone. But most importantly, we're doing this for the right reasons. We're doing this because we truly care about, you know, sharing stuff. You know, we, we enjoy sharing. That's part of our personality, you know, and we feel like we have so much experience and training and knowledge that, you know, maybe one or two people or a lot of people benefit from this in some ways. Sometimes we just need reminders. Sometimes you can be inspired by something. You can learn something new, but... You know, it's like when I write songs, like I, I have to always remind myself, I'm doing this for myself. If one person likes the song, cool. 
that's that's great. That's enough for me. You know, I'm I'm doing the. I try to do things for the right reasons, and I appreciate you bringing me onto this. It's been so fun, <laughs> and it's been cool for us to to have this uh, experience together. Yeah, it's very cool. How lucky are we to be able to do this together and to have this great studio now that we found to help us in this process? But Cyber Sound Studios, Boston Newberry Street. There we go. Amazing and studio, amazing people. Incredible. It's it feels very comfortable, and it's so wonderful, and they're so helpful and professional in every level. Um, but I have to also say that, well, two things. One I'm going to say is a little bit of a caution because I think in all the stories we heard, we heard both the high points and the low points of everybody who shared what it took to get to where they are today. And one of the things I just want to share to the audience and the world at large, I hope, is that whatever you see people presenting in a moment, there might be you know, an ocean of other experiences and other struggles that might be going on behind the scenes that you might have no idea these people are experiencing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's never just one thing. There's so many things that are often connected and there's so much that goes into the complexity of humanity and life. And I just want to share that if we can all just be a little more empathetic to the fact that we are all going through a lot, even when it doesn't look that way, even when we are experiencing joy and purpose and happiness, but there might be so much more going on. And if we can even share one ounce of empathy with other people that we pass by, that we interact with, that we have the opportunity to teach, mentor, guide, or you know, have a therapeutic alliance and relationship with, whatever it might be, whatever the context is, just, just remember that there's usually something more going on in the background. Yeah, and, and, and we can reflect on our own stuff that we've been through and helps you empathize more with other people. And... Like we said with Joe P, food and music brings people together. <laughs> people who are different than each other. And, you know, I'm talking to a high school student the other day, and just the, the wisdom of a high school student sometimes just amazes me. Oh. You know, talking about how you can have differences with people, but you can also remind yourself that you have a relationship with them. Yeah. And sometimes the relationship supersedes the differences that you have with each other. For sure. Uh, whether it's opinions or you know different things that you disagree on. And also that you might agree on other things that you may dismiss in the midst of an argument about who's right or wrong. So, you know, um, as much as we can, you know, arguments and debates are good and all that um, because they can move towards some evolution of something positive. But at the same time, you know, bring people together who are different um, could be a beautiful thing as well. Um, this is a bit of a tangent here, but... <laughs> no, I think it's good. And, and, you know, we brought up this idea of expansion and I think that's it. We expand and grow ourselves and our souls our wisdom by having these conversations of, with people of diverse backgrounds and experiences and interests and passions because and perspectives. And, and that's how we grow ourselves. And this is, you know, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to do this podcast is because we get to have these conversations offline with these really interesting people, both in our work and, and from colleagues that we meet over our time and training and in the work that we do. It's incredible. And I think the more we can open open ourselves up to being open, being curious, being well, the more we can evolve as humanity. And, you know, I'm grateful for, for Mama Dukes, who sent us an email last week and said, guys, I'm so proud of you for doing this podcast. It's almost like you're doing preventative therapy for people to kind of think about things that maybe they've never thought about before. Hear mm -hmm. different experiences that others haven't heard about and get a little glimpse into the work that you both do to know that there might be other options to help support them if they need it. And I thought that really encapsulates what we're doing here. And glad you got out of your comfort zone. Took a lot of convincing, mm -hmm. but uh, I think it's a beautiful thing and we're looking forward to the next season. We've got incredible guests lined up already and some really important topics we can't wait to dive into. So thank, thanks for following along. Thanks for being a part of our family. If you're listening, we are in our hearts, in, in our worlds, and we're really grateful for that. Thanks for tuning in to the Read Connected podcast. Please remember that this is a podcast intended to educate and share ideas but it is not a substitute for professional care that may be beneficial to you at different points of your life. If you are in need of support, please contact your primary care physician, local hospital, educational institution, or support staff at your place of employment to seek out referrals for what may be most helpful for you. 
Ideas shared here have been shaped by many years of training, incredible mentors, research, theory, evidence-based practices, and our work with individuals over the years, but it's not intended to represent opinions of those we work with or who we are affiliated with. The Reconnected podcast is hosted by siblings Alexis Reed and Dr. Gerald Reed. Original music is written and recorded by Gerald Reed. Editing and recording was done by Cybersound Studios. If you want to follow along on this journey with us, the Reconnected podcast will be releasing new episodes every two weeks each season. So please subscribe for updates and notifications. Feel free to also follow us on Instagram at Podcast. That's Ed Podcast and Twitter at Ed. We are grateful for you joining us and look forward to future episodes. In the meanwhile, be curious, be open, and be well. Mm-hmm.